You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. This episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions located right here on the south side. I have them take care of my own home. I have them take care of my friends' homes. I have them take care of my family's homes. If you're trying to get water out of your basement, prevent it from getting in. You have foundational issues. You want to get the water away from the house. Anything you're doing, new construction, old construction, Like you went, you bought a place. You're like, is this thing going to flood before I do anything down here in this basement? FamilyDry.com. You can give them a call 24-7 at 708-330-4466. Mention Socks in the Basement. They will take money off. That's what they do for us. They pass that on to you. Check out all they have to offer and also contact them through FamilyDry.com. Family Waterproofing Solutions. Socks in the Basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans, and we're going to do something that we have not done in a while. We're going to have a show with just me and you. Uh, Ed had a family issue. I'm not getting into it. None of your business. But sometimes you got to be a dad. Sometimes something's going on with your kid. you got to be a dad. He was telling me the story today, and then he's trying to figure out how he's going to fit in doing socks in the basement. I'm like, hey, man, don't worry about me. We could spend time, me and you, with each other. Ed can go take care of what's going on with his kid. And then Ed's back on track again this weekend. So don't don't worry about that, is what I told him. So he's going to take a show off. It's just going to be me and you. We've got lots to talk about here. Uh, remember, you can reach out to Socks in the Basement in many different ways. One way to do so is at SocksInTheBasement.com. You can leave a voicemail on any device, your phone, your tablet. your If you have a computer that has a microphone on it, just anything. Just go to SocksInTheBasement.com. Bottom right-hand corner, you're going to see a little microphone icon Click on that. If you don't see it right away, scroll on your device. It'll pop up in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us how you're doing. Tell us what you think. We will listen. We'll play it here on the show. Also, you can leave comments at SocksInTheBasement.com. You can search up shows on SocksInTheBasement.com. You can subscribe any podcast service on SocksInTheBasement.com. If you have a friend that says, how do I listen to that show that you listen to, send them to the website the web page will prompt them after reading their phone and be like, this guy likes using Apple Podcasts or this guy likes using Spotify. And boom, it will tell them, click this button. Now they're subscribed. Now they're listening just like you. I see a lot of tension out there in White Soxville. White Soxdom. I'm not exactly sure what to call it. I see some tension. Look, they, they won more games than they lost in August. Uh, they're going to the postseason. They're exactly what you wanted them to be at the beginning of the year. They have some injuries. I, I don't think that those injuries are are major. I, I'm a little nervous about Rodon going back on the IL, getting skipped again. That makes me nervous. He is very important to this team. And I, I, anybody who listens to this show knows that means a lot for me to say that because I was one of his detractors. I was one of those guys that said, he can't stay healthy. I can't rely on him. He's a flash in the pan. He does better in small spurts, but he's never going to be what we want him to be. They non-tendered him. I didn't want him to give him a tender. They brought him back. I was like, why? Look at all the other options that were out there. 
He's proven me wrong. Unfortunately, right now, he's kind of proving me right because the arm is not going to make it through the season like it normally would because this is a big workload for him. And this is not what Carlos Rodon is used to. It has been a long time since he's done this kind of workload. And so the arm's fatigued. But I think the White Sox are are trying to be safe with him. I think Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Carlos Rodon, Tim Anderson, anybody else right now that's out with minor injuries, those guys are all there, all hands on deck when the playoffs begin. So I'm not that concerned about it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm nervous about it. You should be a little nervous about it. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of nerves. But I'm far more concerned about how the team is going to finish off September. Scott Merkin had a great article, came out this week. Scott's been on the show several times before, talking about how, you know, once again, we're hearing this. Tony LaRusso is like, every game matters. I want to win every game. But if you really want to win every game, you wouldn't be resting the guys the way that you're resting them. And I get that. I like the mentality of, I want to win every game. But you're going to have to sit Yaz down every once in a while. You're going to have to continue to monitor a Luis Robert who's talking openly about the fact that there are times that he doesn't feel like himself because of the hip flexor, because of the injury earlier in the year. He doesn't feel like he's Luis Robert. He doesn't feel like he can do everything 100%. The fact that he has not been given a green light to steal a base, I was kind of upset that they said that out loud. Like if you're scouting the White Sox from another team and their manager says, yeah, we don't give him the green light to steal because we're still watching him, that's in the notes right now. The Houston Astros are aware of that. They're likely going to be the team that faces us in the first round. They're not going to expect him to steal until he does it. Because right now, his manager's saying, I don't even want him to try. We want to take care of him. Now, on the other hand, that would be a great rope-a-dope, right? Maybe like get the Astros thinking that he's never going to steal a base because he's not ready to yet. And then in game one of the ALDS, he takes a big base. And then they're like, ooh, you know? It's like that scene in Happy Gilmore. Happy learned how to putt, and he's back again. This could all be gamesmanship as well. But right now, Luis Robert, according to his manager, he doesn't tell him to steal. He doesn't give him the green light because he's not 100%. This team, I think, functions differently in the postseason. I think that's the thing. I think that's what I'm trying to get to. There are a lot of nagging little injuries, but when it comes time, they're going to go for it. On the other hand... You could have them all go for it, and then all of a sudden Rodon comes out of a game and says, that's it, I'm done. Now I'm really hurt. You know, Robert could could look spectacular. He could steal three bases and then come up lame. We saw Aloy Jimenez try to go for it in the postseason last year. There was no guarantee he was going to make it through the postseason, and guess what? He couldn't get through the first series. So there are legitimate concerns. I, I'm nervous about it as well. But I'm trying to focus on the fact that They are resting the guys that they have and trying to get them as healthy as possible because they know that when it comes time to go out and win, it's pedal to the metal, foot to the floor, and hopefully they don't get that kind of injury that pops up in the middle of a postseason. But it can happen. Anything can happen. Anything's possible. If anything, this team is probably most prepared. It's more prepared than any other team. It's more prepared than the Astros. The Astros haven't seen the injuries that that we've seen. We're going to run into them in the first in the first round. There's there's no doubt in my mind. It's White Sox Astros round one. There is no way the Sox or the Astros catch the Rays here in September. I just don't believe it. Yes, it's mathematically possible, but there's no way either one of them take the one seed. I also don't believe that the Seattle Mariners or Oakland Athletics are going to take the West. 
They could. If they did, then we are almost definitely, surely, the home team against them. But the two wildcard teams are going to come out of the East. In fact, I'd be shocked right now if it wasn't a AL Central versus AL West on one side of the bracket. And on the other side, there are basically three American League East teams and only one survives and makes it to the pennant, makes it to the ALCS. So if the Sox win, they're going to they're gonna face whichever one of those three AL East teams is still standing. And that's how it's going to line up. So now the real question is, are we getting more home games or road games in that first series against the Astros? And that's all that matters at this point. Making sure guys are rested, making sure they're ready, but as we talked about on the last show, making sure we're winning every team that goes on to win the World Series over the last decade or so. Winning records in the month leading up to it. Winning records in September. Most of them winning at like a 650 pace. Most of them just flying through their division, red hot, hitting the postseason, ready to go. So you you can't take the foot off the gas. You can't go 500 or God forbid worse than that and then say, but we're rested. So this is a really interesting thing that Tony has to do. This is a really trying to figure out how we rest these guys and still win games. I get his quotes about how every game matters because he might not be starting them all, but he wants the win because he needs this team to keep winning and keep things going. Because if they walk in limping, we're in trouble. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. I've been looking at the Houston Astros. I know it's early. I know nothing's guaranteed. But it, it just is shaping up this way. And it's funny because in my mind, 08 was an anomaly. The whole thing with them backing into the postseason, they shouldn't even have gotten a 163. Like game 163 should have never happened. The White Sox had blown it in that last week. And then the Twins just blew it more. And then even though we win game 163 and it was a great game, I was there. One of my favorite White Sox memories in the ballpark. And I've been to the World Series. But I mean, that was a winner go home. You don't get a lot of those in baseball. But even after they won that game, I never felt they had a chance against the Rays in that first series. You know, we all got 05 basically in our memories. We remember that. 08, no chance, no shot. Never felt like they were going anywhere. This team is better than that. I expect this team to go further than that. But really, the last time this team was competitive, we finished against the Astros. In the World Series, we swept them. So I find it really funny that the next time we are legitimately 
legitimately a World Series contender because it's the first time that I can honestly say we are a legitimate World Series contender. I didn't feel it last year. Felt like we were just, it was great that we had started to break out. The rebuild was over. This is the first time legitimately. And our entrance into our first postseason as a legit World Series contender is against the franchise that we beat for our World Series. That's won one since then. And that has beaten us more times than we've beaten them this year. So I, I want to take a quick look at them because I find them really interesting. Because I'm convinced this is who we're facing. I think a lot of White Sox fans who are in the know are starting to figure out this is what we're going to do. It's The only question now is if we're the home team or the road team in this whole thing. Interesting stats here about the Houston Astros. I went and took a look at their, their batting splits and their, their pitching splits as a team. First off, when we got swept four games in Houston, it was the absolute best that the Houston Astros had done all year long. In that month, in June, their team had an 867 OPS. They never topped 800 at any other time in any other month of the season. They're not over 800 pre-All-Star, post-All-Star. They're not over 800 in any other month. They're not over 800 versus lefties or versus righties. They're not over 800 in day games or away games. By the way, they're much worse hitting during the day than at night. It's a really weird split. It's like a 50-point drop in their OPS. White Sox fans are complaining like, oh, we're going to get shafted with day games in the postseason. Trust me. Somehow it quiets Houston Astro bats. Play them all at 1 in the afternoon. I want every advantage we can get because this is a really good team. But when I look at pitching for the Houston Astros, they have a great staff. They got Zach Greinke, who right now is on the, I think it's the IL or the COVID list. He was in contact with somebody. Basically, they're resting Zach Greinke is what I believe that they're doing. And then they've got McCullers, who's a stud. He has slowly but surely become a stud. Framber Valdez, the lefty, he is an absolute star, okay? I mean, he could really hurt you. He's definitely in their postseason rotation, along with McCullers and Granke. And then they got guys like uh, Garcia. He's had a great year. He's a righty. Odorizzi or Kitty. These guys are all really good. They have one left-handed starter. And the good news is last year, we would have sat there and said, oh no, because we can't hit righties and we're killing lefties. It's like the opposite this year. Bring me your right-handed starting pitchers the way that this team has been hitting, especially as of late against right-handed starting pitching. So that, that's a good thing as I break down like what's going to happen here when I look at these guys as a, as a I think, inch ever closer to facing each other in the postseason. But then I look at their pitching splits, and again, opposing teams, a 30 to 40 point difference in opposing teams hitting against their pitchers in day games. Again, day games are terrible in them compared to night games. The Houston Astros are a much better night team than a day team. It's such a weird stat, but it's true. Like I, I, I looked this up today because I see all these people complaining about the schedule and saying, well, of course, they're going to put those East Coast teams in prime time. It'll be the Yankees or the Red Sox playing the Rays. And so there's no way Houston-Chicago is the primetime game in the ALDS. But it seems like that's an advantage to us. The other thing, though, the Houston Astros are worse at home than away. Hang your hat on that one in case we don't end up with home field. It's it's different. They hit better at home, but they pitch worse at home. But those are the things that I noticed. And then also that month of June, 
month of June, not only were they hitting better than they had hit against teams as a team than at any other time in the season, month of June, opposing teams had the lowest OPS against them than at any other month. Their pitchers' ERAs were the lowest they could be. That team was at its absolute best in June when we went into Houston for a weekend series and got swept. So take some comfort in that because we had a really injured team. We were on the road, and they were at their absolute statistical best during that month. Their highest team OPS of any month, opposing batters with their lowest OPS against them. Their pitchers had their lowest ERA in the month of June than any other time. So they were at their best. When we faced them later on in Chicago and took two out of three, that might be a better representation as to how these teams match up. I think we're really evenly matched. The only difference between us and the Astros is the majority of their players were healthy and played all year long. The majority of our players were up, they were down, they were out for a couple of months, they had an injury here, an injury there. And right now, they're trying to rest Zach Reinke, and we're trying to rest a couple of our starters. And I think when we get to the postseason, you're going to see very good starting pitching. We're both about as deep as the other team. Very good hitting. And you're also going to see very good closers coming in there. The only difference is, it seems like those early on relief pitchers, we might have a slight advantage. If you can get to the pen in the sixth inning, in the fifth or sixth inning, you might be able to, to, to push a few runs across. That looks like that's their Achilles heel. Not like a glaring one, but their depth in their pen is not the same. We have many more guys with very low whips, walks and hits per innings pitched than they do that are going to be available in the pen. So if they're, if they're so evenly matched then, what is going to be the factor in the postseason? And here's the thing that scares the heck out of everybody scares the guy who used to sit down here at the nine-foot homemade oak bar and then left because he was so upset about who we hired as a manager. And then Ed came, and everybody loves Ed. I, I, I was talking to some guys at a uh, Knights of Columbus Hall in Mount Greenwood for one of the other podcasts on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network, Southside Pod. Check it out if you're a Southsider. It's out once a week. And they right away, we were talking, and they're like, oh, the sock show, Ed. Ed's the guy. They love Ed. I miss Ed today. I'm sorry. It's just me. But the guy who was here beforehand, Dave, when we first started this show, who couldn't handle it that Tony La Russa was hired and still has a $100 bet with me that the White Sox won't make the playoffs. I can't wait to collect. Well, actually, here's how it works. He bet me the White Sox would not make the playoffs. I said, they're not only going to make the playoffs, they're going to win the pennant. So I only have to pay him if we miss the playoffs and he only has to pay me if we make it to the World Series, I'm still expecting to collect $100. He's very nervous because I think this team could do it. It's not guaranteed. I just think there's, I have a really good chance. It's a solid bet now. But anyway, the biggest fear of detractors of this team, of those that worry still about Tony La Russa, is that it's going to come down to the managers. And I think it might. <laughs> During the postseason, one of the most fun things to do is to hang out inside of a bar and watch your team. Like, being in the ballpark is great. 
but we're all not going to get tickets to every game. We know this, right? Getting out to a world-class bar and watching a game, that's the next best thing. Cork and Carey not only has Cork and Carey at the park in the shadow of the ballpark, a Southside tradition, at 33rd and Princeton, and make sure that you are pre-gaming, post-gaming, in-gaming there. It's my go-to spot every time I'm down there. I'm there ahead of time. I'm there afterwards. World-class food. It's the best. But don't forget their original location in Beverly on the south side, 10614 Southwestern Avenue, the original Cork and Carey. It's got a gorgeous beer garden along Western Avenue, enclosed with, and we're not talking lawn chairs here, we're talking that fancy outdoor seating with flat screen TVs outside, a beautiful September or October evening, watching the White Sox in meaningful games and drinking at Cork and Carey. Sign me up. They've got incredible rooms for you to rent out for smaller crowds or larger crowds. There's several different ones. And of course, they have that iconic bar that is just the quintessential Southside bar. When you walk up to it and you belly up to it and you think to yourself, wow, this still makes me feel like I'm walking up to a bar when I was a kid and my dad was getting me a Shirley Temple and I just thought cool to sit on the bar stool. It's big, it's oak, it's gorgeous, and it's got all the different options you could possibly ask for. It is a cozy spot inside. It is a spread out spot that can handle a large crowd outside and in the adjoining rooms. Learn all about them at Cork and Carey, Beverly. Dot com and stop in for your next White Sox game at 10614 Southwestern Avenue. Really interesting stat before I get into the managers of this hypothetical, but very soon I think going to be a reality playoff matchup between the White Sox and the Houston Astros. I, I feel like we're on a collision course. I feel like it's inevitable, like Thanos. Jay Kuda, a fan that we talked to, I want to say last week when we were doing that fan service show, remember you can check out every episode of Socks in the Basement on any podcast player. You can tell Alexa, hey, Alexa, play Socks in the Basement. You can just go to SocksInTheBasement.com, pick your poison, or listen directly off the site. And you can search up the older shows. We did a fan service show where we took a lot of phone calls, read a lot of messages, and we actually selected a fan to come on and talk a little bit with us on the show. And Jay has some great stuff that he puts out on Twitter. And he's not like a big follow. Like, not a lot of people are following him at jaycuda.com, J-A-Y-C-U-D-A. But he goes and he finds these little stats. And, you know, sometimes you take them with a grain of salt. But I love this one where he split the season in two as of this moment. Got 68 games and 68 games. And he's looking at whether or not guys are doing better in the first half or the second half of that 68-game mark. And, of course, that would change, and it's arbitrary to pick this date. but. Like, Tim Anderson is is under this list slightly down, but T.A. is way up in how he's hitting left-handed pitching. And so he and he's basically held what he had, 795 to 779 OPS as a whole when you split the season in half at this point. Juan Mancata, basically holding what he is, 810, 714. Well, actually, that's not holding what you are. But he had a terrible month in there, and he's starting to put it together, and I still have hope. I have hope for Juan. We really need him. He plays well in the postseason. We're going to win a World Series. Okay? He's a key. Can you imagine Yohan Mankata doing what Yohan Mankata is capable of doing in the postseason? He'll take this whole thing over. People will send me messages for months. You're wrong, Chris. He was just saving it. And I'll be happy wearing my World Series t-shirt. Trust me. 
So let's talk about these managers that I think are going to face off against each other. Tony LaRussa in the postseason, 50 and 42. He's got three World Series championships. He's a Hall of Fame baseball person. The only question with Tony LaRussa, does he still have it? That's it. If Tony LaRussa still has it, advantage White Sox in an evenly set up series in which the managers and their in game decisions may actually turn the tide. Because these teams are really evenly set up. You can list their top nine guys in OPS against the top nine guys in OPS against the Astros. You can look at their defensive metrics. You can look at their, your, their starting five, their starting three, their starting four. You can look at their closers, their bullpen. These teams are close. They're really close. That's why home field is going to mean so much. That's why I would love to see the White Sox get three against them instead of two against them at the rate. But Tony La Russa, if you look at his career, he's a good manager. He's won multiple times. The only question is, does he still have it left? Dusty Baker? Dusty Baker has never had it. I have always been amazed by the way that people wax poetic about how Dusty Baker is a good manager. Dusty Baker is not a good manager. Like, he's a good he's a good manager for a team, and this is why he was hired. He's a good manager for a team with a lot of talent where he's told, don't screw it up. Keep him happy. Be a player's manager. But just don't screw it up. Just put it on autopilot. Just fill out the lineup. As long as you don't get too cute, they're going to win. That's what Dusty Baker is. And, and that's not be, I'm not saying it because Dusty Baker was a manager of the Cubs and I have some kind of Cubs hate. That, that is not the case. Back in the day in the early 2000s when I was doing morning radio out in California, when I was in Reno, Nevada before that, I watched a lot of Giants games. I was out there for the Dusty Baker experience in his first managerial run that ended in 2002, where his team would go out there and win every year. I mean, let's go over it. 97, they go 90 and 72. 98, they go 89 and 74. 99, 86 and 76. 2000, 97 and 65. 2001, 90 and 72. 2002, 95 and 66. How many World Series championships? None. None. I remember watching out there on the West Coast knowing a lot about the Angels and the Giants at the time because those were the teams that I was forced to watch because in the early 2000s and the late 90s, it was not as easy to watch out-of-market games as it is now. And trust me, MLB doesn't make it any easier on you, really. These blackouts make no sense. If you're paying for it, you should be able to watch it from wherever. But I knew Dusty Baker was overmatched. I had watched enough of him, especially in 2 against Socha and the Angels and the Rally Monkey. It wasn't the Rally Monkey that won it. It was bad decisions by Baker. It was Socha setting him up, changing a pitcher, knowing he would go to the bench, and then making another move later on in the game. He would set him up constantly. He would hold back a batter on his bench and wait for Baker to do the predictable thing and bring in the wrong pitcher, and then bring in a guy, and right away, you could look it up later online, who ate that pitcher alive. And Mike Socia would sit there and wait for three games for Baker to fall into the trap. Dusty Baker went 10-7 and seven in that postseason. That's the only postseason where he ever had a winning record, and he still didn't win the World Series because Dusty Baker shoots himself in the foot in the World Series. In 2003, he was the manager when the Chicago Cubs fell apart. They were five outs away. 
Forget Bartman. Anybody that watches that game knows that it has nothing to do with Bartman. It has to do with the fact the manager never got his team back under control. It has to do with the fact that the manager allowed things to continue to cascade. And then he sat there, remember? He used to put his kid on his, on his knee. Dusty used to sit there and he put his kid on his knee. He did it in San Francisco. Then he did it for that Cubs series in 03. He takes his kid and he puts his kid on his knee so that reporters wouldn't ask him hard questions. He would hide behind his child. That's, that's I, you know, I could do an entire show about how ridiculous that is. He would hide behind his kid because he didn't want to ask tough questions. Like, how are you going to ask me that question in front of my kid? It's the World Series, Dusty. And you made another mistake. He still went out there in game seven. He couldn't calm his team down. He blamed it on a fan. He's a bad manager. He's a guy that somehow has stuck around for a long time because he doesn't screw things up. But when it comes time for Dusty Baker to win a championship, he can't get through the postseason because he can't make tough decisions. He doesn't make the right decisions. Four years with the Cubs, he goes over to the Reds, even goes to the postseason with the Reds. In 2010, he takes him to the postseason, 91-71, and 0-3 in the postseason. Loses a five-game series in 2012 with the Reds. Loses a wild card game in 2013. Washington Nationals loses a five-game series in 2016. Loses a five-game series in 2017. Gets replaced. Nationals win the World Series. The Giants won a bunch of World Series after he left as well. The Cubs won a World Series after he left. So the only question for me in an evenly matched up postseason is my manager a plus manager? Can my manager... Is he better than replacement level? We talked about this a lot last year. Is Ricky Renta a replacement level manager or not? And I thought he was like replacement level to slightly below. We put out all kinds of stats on it. You can go back and listen to last year's shows. Dusty Baker, that's what he is. He's not going to upset the apple cart. You got talent, he's going to win. You put a plus manager in there who can influence the outcome of a game, who can make a decision, who who can outthink the guy on the other side, Dusty Baker's going to lose. So in two evenly matched teams, the thing I'm watching now is can Tony La Russa still do Tony La Russa things? Or is he too old? Is he now just an even manager? And that's really the question for the next couple of weeks. That's going to rattle around in the back of your head as you get ready for this inevitable clash between these two teams. Because I'll be surprised if they don't face each other at this point, looking at the amount of games that are left, where they sit in the standings. The only question is who's the home team and who's the road team as the Astros and the White Sox face off in the first round after the wild card one game plan. Is Tony La Russa still Tony La Russa? If he is, you're going to win the first series. As long as your team is healthy, as long as your pitchers are back, and I think they will be, I think they win the. I think they win that series. Somebody came to me and said, you're betting Sox, you're betting Astros, and it was my kid's college fund, and I had to bet it. I go Sox. As long as I felt like Tony La Russa was the guy. Do you think he's the guy? Is he the guy? We're going to find out, I think, in this postseason. We're going to find out. I'm going to tell you right now. He goes out there. He loses a Dusty Baker. You're going to have. You're going to point to mistakes that Larusa made. I think you're going to point to mistakes that Baker made, though, after we win it. This isn't me being cocky. This is just me reading the room and looking at these guys. These things matter. They really do. Do not fall for the 22 years of managing experience of Dusty Baker the heck? I got 20-some years of broadcasting experience. I do a podcast from a bar. Time doesn't matter. Trust me. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks.
Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.